0: what's up guys week number eight for our beloved Chicago Bears they're two and five they won a game last week that they weren't expected to win but then again with the way that they've been playing they haven't really been expected to do much uh once uh once the you know kind of reality set in for us Bear fans and like oh so we're not gonna go 12 and five and, and win the division and make a playoff run before we win the Super Bowl next year uh kind of thing So, uh, yeah, interesting that uh, Bears are in the spot that they're in. They're on national TV this weekend facing the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. And um, we've got lots to talk about uh, to get ready for that. Our friend Dave Drogemeyer from the Locked On Chargers podcast will be here with us in a few moments to preview uh, the game. We got news and notes. We got keys to the game and all the rest of it. So let's get down to it. This is the Week 8 Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get started. Very mixed feelings about this game on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid to have hope, uh, especially since the last couple of times that I've had hope this year. Uh, it has been dashed in a most unsavory fashion uh, the kick in the balls that was week one uh, against the Packers after basically being over the moon excited for the over for the entire offseason you know we got year two in, in the same offense we've you know Chase Claypool has had a full offseason to acclimate uh, to the offense we got DJ Moore uh, and some extra picks for the number one overall we got Darnell Wright. we got Nate Davis we we drafted or we we uh, signed Jermaine Edmonds, T.J. Edwards to go along with, uh, you know, our secondary. Uh, we, we drafted a couple of stud defensive tackles. We signed a building on feet in Adams Billingsley or Andrew uh, Billingsley. We got some defensive end help. We added Yannick Ngakwe just before training camp or during training camp. I don't remember when that exactly happened, but there was a lot to be excited about. Then week one happened, and it was like, oh, so... Were we just not ready, or, and then week two happened against the Bucks. I'm like, all right, this is this is not cool. And then week three, the disaster that was. And we we're like, okay, so that's what kind of year this is going to be, really. And then we, we we got a little ray of sunshine, looking watching the offense be competent and productive uh, against the uh, Broncos. But once again, we trip over our own feet and blow it. In the fourth quarter, so we had no hopes and and all the expectations we had were to hear that Iberflues would be fired after we got our asses kicked on Thursday Night Football against the Commanders. And instead, not only did we play as well on offense, we played better. We instead only 28 points. This time we scored 40. DJ Moore went beast mode uh, on the Commanders for 230 and three touchdowns. The defense showed up, sacked Howell five times, forced two turnovers, And we won by 20 points, 40 to 20. I was like, well, damn. Maybe we did turn a corner last week against uh, Denver with our offense because not only did we do it again, we did it better uh, this time. And, you know, and, and the defense helped us out this time as opposed to just rolling over and letting Denver do whatever the hell they wanted in the second half. I'll be damned. Then the Minnesota game happened. the offense retracted back to weeks one through three productivity levels. Um, the defense, God bless them, doing everything they could, but it's hard to uh, win a football game when your offense is giving away points like it did with the strip sack on Bajan after Justin Fields got himself hurt. Uh, Luke Getze put together a game plan that looked like we weren't prepared for the, Zy- to the, for the Vikings to be blitzing on three out of every five plays and uh, only managed 13 points uh, in a game after we were averaging what? 34 points in the two games previous. 40 and 28 is 68 plus uh, divided by two is 34 points a game the last two weeks. Not to mention all the yards we were racking up on through the air and in on the ground as well. We had a complete offense and a complete offense performance against the uh, commanders. And then it all comes crashing down uh, against the Vikings. I mean, I there were a lot of people that expected the bears to win that game including our very good friend chris gates of many many years as a guest on the podcast was picking the bears to win against the vikings cuz they were 1 and 4 just like we were and instead they used the the confidence boost they got from beating us to to double down on it and beat the 49ers on monday night football the other night so yeah and then going into another game against the against the raiders uh now we got Bayent starting. Fields is hurt, out for God knows how long. And uh yeah. We just go ahead and not only did we beat the Raiders, we ran them off the field. You know, the final score was thirty to twelve, but it wasn't that close. It was it was more towards the thirty to six, uh, before the Raiders added that garbage touchdown with a minute thirty to go uh in the game. So the defense really put one on the Raiders and the offense without what th- to at least two of its best three players in Herbert and Fields didn't exactly, you know, light up the world or anything, but were super efficient, extremely productive in the fact that we stayed on the field, we gobbled up minutes, we put the ball in the end zone. We didn't settle, for, we only settled for field goals one time uh, in the game uh, against the uh, Raiders. So we're going into this one against another AFC West team that is struggling with uh, consistency, Uh, Herbert and, I mean, just like the Raiders, Herbert and the Chargers have talent galore on the offensive side. However, they have been wildly inconsistent uh, the last, uh, well, the entire season. The first few weeks, you were terrified of this offense because they were racking up, you know, 25-plus points uh, a game, 34 week one against the the Dolphins, Uh, 27 week two, uh, against the, or 24 week two against the Titans. And then I think like 28, uh, again, and they cause in their back-to-back wins over Minnesota and the Raiders, it was like 28 and 24, uh, again. So the worst that this team had done, uh, in the first four weeks was score 24 points. That's enough to win you most games, uh, in the NFL. And, you know, there were two and two. And then these past two weeks against the, um, Against the, the the Chiefs this past Sunday and the the week before that was on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys, the best they've been able to manage is seventeen uh, points and and the worst problem is is that they come out guns blazing, which is the thing that we're going to talk about at the end when we get the keys to the game. They like they score points early, you know, and, and but it's they they disappear in the second half, allowing their opponent to do uh, what they need to do, and uh, you know that's how they're sitting here at two and four. Uh, coming into this game, only a half game better uh, than the Bears in in what I predict will be a West Coast home game uh, for the Bears. So um, let's go ahead and dive into uh, news and notes while we're chatting about stuff. And, um, you know, first thing we want to talk about, of course, is Justin Fields. Uh, Justin is determined, or so they say, is determined to return for week number nine, which would, of course, be next week uh, against the uh, Saints. Uh, right now, he's still doubtful. I mean, they haven't completely ruled him out for this Sunday, but everything is leaning towards uh, Tyson Baygent, uh being the starter for the second week uh, in a row. Um, don't uh, don't hate that, to be honest with you, especially after the performance he put on uh, against the Raiders. I, I mean, actually, it's it's really up to Luke Getze, isn't it? Because Luke Getze put together the game plan that got Justin Fields killed against the Vikings uh, in week one. Even though they want to talk about how he's supposed to be uh, making reads and, and noticing that that guy's coming off the edge and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, I know this is the NFL and there's only so much you can do, but how about we don't put our quarterback in that position? Am I crazy? You know, Or, or how about we keep a, a running back or a fullback? And we were an empty set. And they're bringing, like, six guys and stuff. It's like, no, 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 how about we do something different here? We're just going to get him killed on this play. And sure enough, we get sacked on the first play, and the Vikings basically brutalized our offensive line uh, for the first half uh, of the game and uh, knocked uh, Fields out in the uh, process. So, But he's determined to make it back for week number nine. It's, it's really up to how well he can grip and uh, hang on to the football with that... Uh, Dislocated thumb. It uh, didn't need surgery, and uh, I guess he's making progress with it. Especially if he's if he's leaning towards trying to come back next week. Um, my thoughts on that are: I don't want him to hurry back, but I want him to hurry back all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I uh, I I want him to be 100. percent I want him to be ready, and um, I also don't want him to worry about Tyson Bagent. And I know that he's being a great teammate, and he's being supportive of Tyson, which he should be, because uh, Tyson's success is his success with the team, and so on, uh, and so forth. But I, I think it's ridiculous that people are talking about uh, dumping Justin Fields to or leaving Justin Fields on the bench when he's ready to come back. I think that's bananas. So, because I, I just I, I I don't agree with that at all. So I like Bajent, I like what he's done. Justin Fields is our quarterback, though, so that's just all there is to it. Unless he plays himself out of the position, that's it's, it's his job. So when he comes back, when he's ready, I mean, and even Eberflu said the same thing on Monday. He said, when Justin Fields is ready, he's our starting quarterback, period. he so just put all that nonsense to bed right now. Justin Fields is our quarterback. When he's ready, he's coming back. So I don't want him to hurry back, but I, I want him back in the lineup as soon as possible. Um and like and I like I said, it's, this is probably not something that's going to happen just because Bajent and, and Fields have a different skill set. And um from the looks of things, uh Fields has arm strength for days compared to Tyson Bajent, especially since they took Bajent out of the game uh on the Hail Mary attempt last week against the Raiders because they didn't think he had the arm to make it to the end zone. So Justin Fields could throw it out of the stadium from the 50-yard line. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, the offense is is uh, a lot more wide open with Fields in it. However, what I want to see when Fields comes back is what the Bears have been doing for Tyson Bajan, which is to run everything through the run. I was like, really, that's what we did last year basically because we had no choice. We didn't have a passing game last year, but – Run the offense through the running game. It will open up play action. It will open up rollouts for Fields, who's a hell of a lot more dangerous on a rollout than Tyson Bagent is. Tyson is effective. Fields is dangerous. That's why I want Fields out there. There's a lot more the, the offense is capable of with Fields out there than Tyson Bajin. Bajin is a uh, is a game manager until proven otherwise. Until I start seeing Tyson Bagent slinging the ball, uh, down the field, forty yards to uh, to DJ Moore and 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 all the rest of those guys. The uh, five yards, uh, dinking and dunking offense that uh, that he was running shows his uh, his capability. I mean, it was effective. I can't I can't fault it. Like I said, it was it wasn't the funnest thing to watch. Uh, you know, and I think the the kindest way to say that is that they're they're not going to get any style points for what they did, but it got the job done. So overall, you can't complain, but. You know, you just know that this is a more wide open, more dangerous offense with Fields uh, at the helm than uh, uh Speaking of injuries, let's look at this injury report. Uh, Jaquan Brisker has been out all week with an illness, so tis the season, so that's not that big a surprise. Nate Davis has already been ruled out this week with the ankle injury, so I think we're looking at another. Um, Darnell Wright, uh Tevin Jenkins right side of the line uh again uh this week. I mean it was tremendously effective. I mean Tevin Jenkins, when he's healthy, is an absolute animal out there uh on the field. He's he's easily the best lineman we have when he's on the field. And God bless him, he's doing all right so far. So hopefully he's he, you know, the he took the time when he was on IR to, uh, and I heard that he was, he was like changed up his diet and, uh, you know, a lot more stretching and, you know, things like that to uh, hopefully to be more preventative than he'd been uh, in the past. So hopefully that's something that will, that will stick uh, for him. Uh, Dan Feeney, one of our backup O-linemen was uh, limited with a knee injury yesterday and today on Thursday, obviously Fields has yet to practice with his thumb injury Eddie Jackson still limited with the foot injury that seems to be lingering for him. Roshan Johnson has been full go yesterday and today has cleared concussion protocol set to play against the Chargers. Will he start? Honestly, it doesn't matter with him and Roshan as our, as our backfield. I mean, even Darrington Evans, who has been very, very good for us uh, in these past two weeks against the Vikings and the uh, Raiders, you know, I'm not worried at all, but uh, I'm really excited to see what Roshan can do now that, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, Khalil Herbert's out of his way so that there's going to be a lot more opportunity for him. So I still think Foreman should get the start, especially after the way he performed against the Raiders on Sunday. But I want to see a lot of Roshan Johnson uh, on Sunday, and hopefully this is not going to be a thing uh, for him. Like, if he, he missed two games, he's cleared. Actually, he's missed three. has Hasn't No, he's missed two. Washington and and, uh, the Raiders. But, yeah, so he'll be back on uh, Sunday. Braxton Jones has been designated for return from uh, injured reserve with his neck injury. He's been limited uh, the last two weeks. Uh, Khalid Kareem, our defensive end, also designated return from IR with the hip injury. He has been full participation on Wednesday and Thursday. Terrell Smith still out with the mono uh, has not practiced yet uh, this week. Darnell Wright, God help this guy, has added a toe injury to his shoulder ailments. Didn't practice yesterday on Wednesday, but was limited today. So trending up, that's good news. I'm uh, Hearing a lot of uh, talk about how he basically played mo- he made a good majority of the game on Sunday against the Raiders with one arm. I guess that's how badly the uh, shoulder was bothering him during the game. But he was a warrior and made it through it. And actually... I think he gave up the one sack to um, Max Crosby uh, on Sunday, but uh, was otherwise effective, even though he was only playing with half his body uh, on Sunday. So hopefully he's uh, he can uh, heal up pretty quick and we uh, will be good to go uh, for Sunday against the uh, Chargers. Let's see if there's anything significant on the Chargers side. Good God, look at the list they're dealing with. Uh, Austin Eckler with the ankle injury, he's been full go this week. Gerald Everett, uh, the tight end, didn't practice yesterday, limited today with a hip injury. Uh, let's see, Justin Herbert, banged up left finger, so that's on his non-throwing hand. Full participation so far uh, this week. Not recognizing any of these other names. Rashawn Slater, their starting left tackle, uh, who some you know local guys for, uh, for us here in the Chicago area should know, Rashawn Slater. Offensive tackle for Northwestern, first-round pick for the uh, Chargers, also dealing with a shoulder injury. A uh, full participation so far this week. So those are the players of note that I know on the injury list. So no Khalil Max or Joey Boses uh, on the list. Uh, No uh, Derwin James or anybody like that uh, out there as well. So. There is your injury report, and I think that's all I have for news and notes. So let's go ahead and bring in our guest from Locked On Chargers. It's Dave Droegemeyer to help us preview Bears Chargers week number eight on Sunday Night Football. Sunday night football is the locale for the Bears and the Chargers on Sunday in SoFi Stadium. One could argue this could possibly be a West Coast home game uh, for my beloved uh, Chicago Bears. But here to help us preview the ball game. From Locked On Chargers is Dave Drogemeyer. Dave, welcome back, man.
1: Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of those jokes, honestly, of the Chargers not having enough fans to fill their stadium. We are not the Rams. Uh, we actually have our own fans okay. um, that fill the stadium. So that joke's a, a bit tired at this point in time. I think they do a much better job of going to home games than in years past.
0: Okay. Sounds good. I know that was an issue at first in SoFi, but it's what sure. year, what, three, four in SoFi at this point? Three?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've been there for a while now. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
0: so, yeah. All right so we'll let that one go. we won't bring that up again um, but let's talk about your chargers man i I've, I've, I do a, a a an NFL show called the Fourth phase, so I talk about the chargers uh, a lot and what i've noticed uh, about them, one of their chronic issues is their offense in the second half where it basically kind of disappears us uh, in the second half huh? at at least two of the last three games because i don't i don't remember how it went down with the um Cowboys on Monday Night Football, but I know that that win against the Raiders Same tw- kind of situation. Yeah, 24-7 to at halftime over the Raiders, you had to hold on to win 24-17 Last week, you put up 17 uh, against the Chargers, or excuse me the Chiefs before halftime, nothing out in the second field, at, or second half as the Chargers, or Chiefs, kind of ran away with it uh, there and, um, you know, it started out that this was an offense that could not stop scoring points. The first four weeks of the season, the, the worst they did was score 20 Four, but in the last uh, 2 3 weeks uh they've they've struggled to to put the points on and disappeared in the second half to boot.
1: Yeah, there's two main reasons for that. Number 1, Justin Herbert is dealing with a fractured middle finger on his left hand um which has d- distinctly uh you know really distorted his ability to play at a high level. Um it has affected him. I mean, I know it's his off hand, but you know that really impacts your ability to grip the football um also on handoffs. I mean, it's just uncomfortable anytime you kind of have that kind of an injury and his uh, reception or his uh, you know completion percentages over the last three games have kind of impacted that. Uh, but also I, w- I would uh, point to the lack of the running game as well. I mean, they just have not had a consistent running game the last three weeks. Um, they've had a couple of explosive runs like you saw the 49 yard run against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs last week, but it's not enough consistent. You know yards. It's not the five, six, seven yards a pop that you kind of need to be able to bring some balance to your offense. I think that's really what has uh, made things a little bit more difficult. And also the Chargers have been under a ton of pressure. I mean, Justin Herbert, it, it, it doesn't look like it when you just look at the stats because Justin Herbert is so damn good at escaping the pocket and being able to get out of those situations and extending plays that it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But when you look at the pressure percentages that he's been under, it's been astronomically high so I think going up against the Chicago Bears defense, that just doesn't get after the quarterback very well. I think this could be a game where this offensive line can maybe get right a little bit in pass protection.
0: How are they against the, uh, the Blitz? Because that's basically the only way we can generate pressure on the quarterback. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think you just uh, point to the Minnesota Vikings game where the Minnesota Vikings defense pressured Justin Herbert uh, over 80% of the time, (laughs) and he threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns in that football game where that was the first time in his NFL career where he has eclipsed 400 yards. So, I mean... Blitz at your own peril. I think is probably the answer to that question. If Justin Herbert is able to see it um, and set protections, he has the arm to be able to access any point on the football field.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of the one of the best QBs the game has to offer uh, right now. And um, you know, when I when I was um, getting my show prepared uh, for tonight, and uh, you know, putting my keys to the game. Uh, together, it wasn't so much we need to get after Herbert or anything like that. It was for me, it was more so I need to the Bears need to stay stingy in the first half because if pattern holds, the second half is going to be the easier half for the defense. So if we can get through first and second quarter, maybe playing bend but don't break, keeping the field goals instead of touchdowns, the recent history shows that you know the Bears could kind of almost be out of the woods if we can uh, uh, shut you guys down in the first half.
1: Yeah, I think there's some issues, though, on the back end that you guys are dealing with, especially uh, with injuries as far yeah, as your safeties sure. and your corners. Um, I think Justin Herbert looks at that as a big opportunity to be able to really provide some explosions down the football field. I think uh, especially this this week in particular, the Chargers are going to get back their speedster uh, that they have been uh, sorely missing since last year. That's Jalen Guyton. He tore his ACL last year. He is back to 100%. He is a full participant in practice today, and that's a pretty strong indicator that he could be on his way back for Sunday night football. This is a true four-three speed guy a, guy, a guy that can absolutely burn. That has a real connection with Justin Herbert on you know the deep passes. So I think they used Quentin Johnston a lot in that situation, which I feel like is not utilizing him to his best specific, uh, specific you know traits that he brings to the table. I think now they can bring back Jalen Guyton, let him stretch the field, and allow Quentin Johnston to eat underneath because he's a yards after catch monster. He forced 45 missed tackles across three seasons at TCU that's kind of the situation he needs to be used in not the clear out routes not the you know the deep passes he excels on the wide receiver screens the drags the slants that's where he needs to be utilized so I think with Jalen Guyton returning they can really use Quentin Johnston in the way that he is supposed to be used while not missing out on someone else's ability to clear out down the football field
0: well, I know that the the Chargers like to draft guys from TCU, like Billy likes to draft guys from Georgia. So, is Guyton one of your? You didn't you draft like three guys from TCU this year? Well, Ga-
1: yeah, Guyton's not one of them. Okay, you know, Guyton's been with the Chargers for for several years. He's okay. an undrafted free agent. You know, we've had him for a while. I think what you're you're alluding to is Darius Davis, who is the the Chargers' kick returner, ah. their fourth round pick. That's another four, three speed guy, but you know, he's a more of your gadget guy. You know, he's a guy that's going to get those, you know, those bubble screens, those quick pitches, you know, those, uh, wide receiver screens because his ability to get North and South and have that, that wiggle, like he moves at a different speed. Darius Davis is an absolute weapon. So if he gets out in the open field and you don't get your paws on him, he can absolutely take it the distance. He has very, very real speed.
0: All right. So let's talk real quick about the uh, about the the defense because it seemed to be the thing that was holding you guys back, especially in the first two weeks of the season. Giving up thirty six to the Rams, twenty seven uh, to the Titans. It, you know the, the well, word was the, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Dolphins. What did I say? Yeah, the Rams. Okay, I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was no the worries. Dolphins on Sun. Was it Sunday Night Football?
1: No, no, that was just a regular uh, Sunday afternoon okay. game.
0: It all starts to blend together on you after a while when you're trying to keep track of the whole league. But, yeah, but 36-34, absolute shootout uh, in that one. It was like a game of Madden on whoever has the ball last uh, type thing. Then 27 right. points given up uh, to the Titans. You know, the word was if if the Chargers could get a defense for Justin Herbert, you guys would be undefeated uh, right now. How has that been trending since, like, week two? Because you put a couple of wins together, but even in the last couple of games, how has the uh, the defense been?
1: well I mean you're going up against two of the better teams in 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 the, in the in each conference you know the last two weeks you're going up against the Dallas Cowboys who have one of the better defensive fronts in the league and you know you're going against the Kansas City Chiefs who for the first time in it seems like recent history they have a better defense than they do in offense and I think you know you look at that score against the Kansas City Chiefs and it's not really indicative completely on how that uh, on how the defense played in the first half Travis Kelsey torched them because they played zone and they didn't play enough man you know you got to get physical with the chiefs. You got to, you know, press them. You got to, you know, make sure you knock them off their route. You can't let them get free releases and you absolutely can't let Travis Kelsey roam around in the middle of the field find the soft spots in the zone because he'll murder you and that's exactly what he did in the first half. He went for like a buck 70 and in the second half the Chargers play man and he has three catches for 39 yards so um, I think it's just them not making the adjustments quick enough Uh, this year they've greatly improved against the run. They're much much better against the run than they have been the last uh, few years. I think it's about 50 yards better per game than they were last year which is pretty incredible. Uh, They're much much better in that aspect of things. They just have had a really bad uh, experience going up against number one wide receivers. I mean, whether it's Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, I mean, any, you know, even Devonte Adams, uh, and CD Lamb, they've all had their way with the Chargers defense. So I think, you know, this week they have to come with a more dedicated game plan. Now, I think going up against the Bears specifically, especially with Tyson Bajant, they're not going to throw the ball down the field. I mean, they're, no. they're going to do the quick passes. They're going to get the ball out of his hands quickly, the wide receiver screens, the running back screens, you know, the real close to the line of scrimmage type plays, and then they're going to run the hell out of the football. They're one of the few teams in the NFL that have actually ran the ball more than they have passed the ball this year. So, the Chargers better be ready to go up against that run and be able to tackle in space because that's what the Chicago Bears are going to try to do to them.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what we did against the uh, the Raiders was we lived yeah. inside the first 10 yards from the uh, line of scrimmage. And, like The only time we pushed the ball downfield was, uh, I think, Bajan hit uh, Tyler Scott on a 13-yard pass on like 3rd and yeah. 8 uh, or right. something like that. Otherwise, it was within the first 10 yards, and it was all on the outside, outside yeah. the hashes and the numbers and i wish pound the table weekly david <laughs> attack the middle of the goddamn field please we have <laughs> what are we paying colcomm 13 million a season for yeah. you know if we're not going to use them in the seam or anything like that if if it doesn't happen outside the hashes outside the numbers it doesn't exist in lugezzi's offense it is enormously frustrating to watch Frustrated. and as soon as yeah. we find that defense and maybe you guys are it that can take away those first 10 yards from us, or at least clog the hell out of it, and we have yeah. to push the ball down the field. Uh, you know, it's just going; it's going to get ugly for us. And it's just that I don't know if they 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 don't think Tyson Baja can do it. If they're just trying to like ease him into it and get rhythm, because it was effective against the Raiders. We had sure. twelve play drive, fifteen play drive. You know, eight minutes yeah, here, n- seven nickel minutes and there. Dollar and Dime the Absolutely. defense to death. Yeah. You know, and and then you know Deontay Foreman was really effective running the ball uh, yeah. last week. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if we run into a team that can stop it, we're going to be in a lot of trouble.
1: The one thing that the, the, the Bears absolutely can't do in this game is to get in third and long because mm-hmm. they're going up against a Chargers pass rush that is one of the best best in the league. They have three guys that have multiple sacks, uh, and they have Mack that has seven. They got uh, you know Morgan Fox in the middle that has five. They got Joey Bosu who's got three. They got a, a damn good rookie named Tuli Tui that, that's that's got a couple as well as five tackles for loss. So if they get in that third and long situation and they allow the Chargers pass rushers to pin their years back especially against the rookie quarterback it, it'll get really really ugly so the Bears absolutely have to stay ahead of the sticks. they got to run the ball effectively get into third and short situations they get in third and long uh, they're putting their quarterback in a, in a lot of peril if they do that
0: yeah because that's what we were really good at last week against the Raiders at one point we were 8 for 11 on third down sure. and that's because I don't think we got into the weeds as far as the like you said third and Third and long. I think that one play that I am remembering that that play across the middle of Tyler Scott that was third and eight. I think it's that's as bad as it got. Whereas, right. unfortunately, when Fields was running the offense, we lived at third and eight, third and twelve. Penalty given up
1: so many sacks. It's yeah, unbelievable. We gave twenty seven sacks. sacks in seven games. That's yeah. a
0: lot. Fields likes to ha- or likes to hang on to the ball, which is how he shattered his thumb and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also, yeah. Lou uh really does not like to account for the blitz. <laughs> he's like here's what we're running you see this guy over here nobody's going to touch him you have a tenth of a second to throw the ball okay that's we're yeah, not going to be good yeah we're not going to hold somebody back we're not going to keep a tight end to chip him or anything like that he's going to come free as soon as he snaps the ball I mean and they talk about this in the press conference like yeah we told him that's your read right there you have to recognize that guy he's coming untouched get yeah. rid of the ball Just get rid of it. It's like, or we can audible to something else so we can account for that guy. You know, it's like. It's, well, it that's just the seems thing so with the rookie stupid.
1: quarterback. That's the, you know, that's the, like the football 202 situation, you know, with the nuances of, of playing the quarterback position that those type of checks, those, uh, those type of calls are not in there for him. Right. You know, he's really going to be running a, a, a one read, maybe two read type of offense where it's get the ball out of your hands quickly or you're going to have to try to extend the play. And I mean, fortunately for him, he does have some wheels. He, he does look like he's pretty comfortable escaping the pocket and being able to run and extending plays, but, I mean, that that gets really uncomfortable for a rookie quarterback that doesn't really have the knowledge base to be able to set protections and to be able to change plays at the line of scrimmage because he just hasn't graduated to that level of football yet.
0: Being a cool cucumber can only get you so far when you start facing that oh, yeah. over and over again all of a I mean, sudden. Yeah, you get, hit,
1: you get hit too many times in a row. You're, you're going to feel it, and then you're going to start feeling pressure that's not there, and then it's going to affect everything that you do.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I think that uh, Fields' uh, reliance on his legs is what gets him into trouble. Oh, very like much he, so. He yeah. hangs on to the ball because he knows that if you just oh, give him I mean, a ray. I can run away from you. Yeah, yeah, give me a ray of sunlight and and I'm gone right. Uh, right. kind of thing, whereas Bajan is like, okay, that guy's open, pew, just throw it right there. That guy's open, boom, done. You know, sure. because I saw a video, maybe you saw it on online as well, I don't know, but there was, somebody did a side-by-side comparison of snap-to-throw Bajan versus and Bajon won on every mm-hmm. single play. Where it was sure, like, I'm not surprised at yeah, that. Yeah, 2.03 seconds, 2.3 seconds, whereas, like, Fields – 3.5 but again, like three, very,
1: very simple reads though right yeah. I mean you know yeah. where you're going with the ball before you snap it and I think Justin Fields is a little bit further advanced than the fact that you know he can go through progressions maybe a little bit more effectively than Beijing can so sure. that has to be factored into those numbers as well
0: right but it's just I mean just the stark difference between sure yeah I understand plays. it for sure so yeah. yeah I mean a second and a half is an eternity when you're standing oh, very in much the pocket so, so. yeah so, but um Tell me about Austin Eckler. I mean, he was uh I mean for the for a cup of coffee during the off season, it was like should the Bears trade for Austin Eckler because he's so unhappy uh with the Chargers? That was before he signed his extension or his one year deal or
1: what was the Yeah, just the, added some incentives to yeah, the, the deal. That's, that, what it was. that's really all it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh he was out for a while with the with the ankle injury and you and you were, you mentioned earlier how uh, you guys have been uh, mostly ineffective in the Run game has has he been ineffective in the running game or uh, is it just the overall run game itself that hasn't been working?
1: Yeah, I mean really I'm not gonna I can't pin it all on on Austin Eckler. It's definitely not just been him I think the the offensive line has not run blocked very well and the the running backs haven't done enough creating on their own to be able to get some of those yards because You got to be able to do that as a running back in the NFL The blocks are not always going to be there You got to have to fight through, you know Some of those tackles and you need to be able to fall forward and get extra yards And so it's not all on the offensive line, but nobody's really been doing their job at a high enough level consistently enough in the Chargers uh, you know running game situation so Austin Eckler I think you know dealing with the high ankle sprains probably still not uh, or hasn't been a hundred percent so I think him you know really fully participating in practice all week is going to do wonders for him and I think the Chargers need to make sure that they, they get him more involved in the passing game he is one of the most dangerous pass catching running backs in the NFL he's a guy that can extend drives and keep your offense on the field and that's Like I talked about earlier, one of the things the Chargers offense absolutely has to do is they need to sustain offense, stay on the field, put together drives and finish those with touchdowns. Austin Eckler is a guy, a catalyst that can help you do that.
0: Yeah. And and, uh, how long was he out with the ankle injury? Like how many games? Three weeks. Yeah, three
1: weeks. weeks. Mm, Plus a bye. Right. Well, it wasn't the first three. I mean, he got injured in in the first game, and then he missed three, and then had the bye oh, week, and then came back.
0: Okay, so that's what it. Because I thought he was hurt, like from the, like maybe he got hurt in training camp or in the preseason. No, 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 no. He
1: played in the first game. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. So that clears that up then, because um, I was I was uh, comparing him, especially in his um, his pass catching abilities uh, to Matt Forte, like a shorter version uh, of yeah. uh, Matt Forte, like how effective or how relied upon he is. Uh, coming out of the uh, backfield. For years, Forte was one of Cutler's favorite targets. and sure. I mean, hell, he led the team in receptions one year. Like, he set the single-season record there for a little while. I think somebody else yeah. has it now. But he had, like, 103 receptions in a season uh, out of the backfield. It's like Eckler, uh, you know, puts together some pretty impressive receiving uh, numbers as well. Has he been receiving the ball well since he came back, or has it all been, like, slowly coming back for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been a little bit here and there. I, I think that um, they need to, like I said, get him a little bit more involved in the passing game sure. aspect um, because that's a, a part of the offense that hasn't really been there as much. i like to see them work with him a little bit more in the passing game and also line him up in the slot, too. I mean, he's a guy, if you line him up against a linebacker, he's going to smoke a linebacker every time. So, I mean, I think it's about finding those mismatches and those matchups to be able to utilize him. I think they need to scheme a couple of plays for him in that um in the offense to be able to get him going but uh, for austin i haven't seen as much of that as as i I want to and i feel like that's part of this uh, offense that can help that hasn't been tapped into
0: yeah it shows he's only had nine catches on 13 targets so far right uh, this year and i mean only three games but still four targets a game is not exactly what you want to do when you got an austin eckler on your team right
1: yeah, you got to get him a lot more involved in that. I mean, it's the same thing with Quentin Johnston. I have been very unhappy with the Chargers' inability to, to feature him more in the game plan. He's only been getting two targets a game, and you can't really get any kind of rhythm no matter who you are. I don't care if you're a first-round pick or, you know, a 15-year vet. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're not getting touches, you're not getting, you know, the, the ball at all. How can you get into any kind of rhythm or, you know, feel comfortable and feel get any confidence playing at this level? It's just it's hard to do.
0: Was did they start going to him more after Mike Williams got hurt or has it still no, just not been really. the same?
1: Yeah, no, it's been a lot of Keenan Allen. It's been, okay. you know, getting Joshua Palmer involved, who hasn't practiced this week. Hopefully he'll come back. Um, Gerald Everett, the tight end, he's coming back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not enough. I mean, I really, really need to get, need, they need to feature him, make him the first read and, and more play calls, get him the ball in his hands and let him work in the open field. That's what Quentin Johnson does best.
0: So, I hope this doesn't insult you, no, but as far as like on paper, you know, mm-hmm. talent wise, the Chargers and the Raiders have an, like a plethora of guys on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. With the Raiders, with with Adams and Renfro, uh, that second year tight or that first year tight end, Mayor, uh, and sure. God forbid, Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield. But you know, for whatever reason, they have not been effective, uh, you know, in scoring points or uh, consistently. Scoring points, mm-hmm. and the Chargers, as of late, have kind of been that way as well. I mean, I know that yeah. they're missing Mike Williams, but they still have Keenan Allen, they have Quentin Johnson, they have Eckler, they have Gerald Everett, uh, and of course, they have Justin Herbert, you know, mm-hmm. which is a huge upgrade over a Jimmy Garoppolo uh, out there in, in Vegas and, uh, and everything. Well, so, it, was,
1: it was Hoyer that you guys went up against. You yeah. didn't see Jimmy G.
0: No, we didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah actually, also, Jimmy, also, G is, Jimmy G is undefeated against the Bears in Soldier Field, so thank God for that. <laughs> But, you know, it's what what is ha- what has been holding the charge back is, is is Kellen Moore still trying to get his feet as the as the new play caller or or has it has it been the offensive line having trouble you know with, with Herbert constantly under pressure? What kind of has been the Achilles heel for all of this talent to be so limited at times?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I touched on it earlier. It's the lack of a consistent running game. Uh, right, also, right. one of the pieces on the offensive line that we haven't talked about that's been out is all pro center Corey Lindsley. I mean, ah, he's a, okay. he's been uh, an absolute, you know, amazing center he's been a dog one of the best centers in the NFL but he's been out with a heart condition and so I mean no matter right. who it is that comes in and, and replaces him you're going to see a drop off it's just nobody that can replace that level of that high level of production so that mixed with the lack of running game mixed with the constant pressure that Justin Herbert's been under has been really made it really difficult for the Chargers to have any kind of consistency on the offensive side so that's why I feel like in this one going up against to defense that's hurt on the back end and doesn't get after the quarterback that this could be a get right game for Justin Herbert in the offense
0: yeah that's what uh, what was uh, kind of worrying me was um, you know when I was looking at this stretch of games that the Bears are in uh, right now it's like every team that we play kind of has that thing that you fear yeah. but you know overall feels like it's at, at the very least a game that we feel like we can compete in and it's like if that offense gets going, this is the team that can blow us out. This is yeah. the one. Because the team that we face next week's in the Chargers, or excuse me, the Saints, they have a similar, you know, they have their weapons and all that kind of stuff, but also struggle mightily to score points uh, sure. on a consistent basis. And it's like, yeah. you know, if we can manage to, to to bottle them up, this is a game we can probably, you know, come away with here. But it's like if you said, it's like you actually like this matchup for your, uh, for your offense despite the fact that the Bears have been playing a lot better on defense the last few weeks. Uh, If you can't get after the quarterback and Justin Herbert's got all day to find those guys, then it could be a very long day for the Bear defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know the Chicago Bears have been very good against the run, giving up only about 85.3 yard rushing yards per game, which is fantastic. That's one of the best run defenses in the NFL. I mean, I, I, th- I think that the Chargers know that they're not going to try to beat their heads against the wall for no reason. I don't expect them to, you know, be super committed to the running game. They're going to do it enough to set up the play action and to be able to, to get Justin Herbert on the move. I think they're going to move the pocket a little bit in this one. I think they're going to use, utilize the quick pass to soften things up. Um, but I do feel like they're going to manufacture some shot plays because they're not as worried about the pass rush coming after Justin Herbert in this one to be able to manufacture some big plays down the football field. So I think that you should expect a little bit of that in this game. Um, and then on, on defense for the chargers, uh, I think I feel very good about the fact that, you know, they're going to, if they get into that advantageous threat and long situation that they'll be able to get off the field. But my worry is, is stopping the run because the Chicago bears are very committed to it. Um, and, you know, the Queen Quick passes. I mean, the Chargers have to be ready to tackle in this one. If not, then they're going to get dinked and dunked and dimed and dollared all the way down the football field until they get to the red zone.
0: Yeah, and uh, the Bears aren't much for a plan B, so if you can figure out how to stop us off the bat, we're, you're pretty much going to watch us beat our head up against the wall and keep trying to do what we want to do versus uh, what the defense is uh, offering us or giving us or right. our uh, or what have you that's the one thing that's so extremely frustrating about watching this team is that uh you know it's not there stop it it's not right. there and it just yeah, like, no, try no. something else yeah, yeah. we're we're going to keep doing you know, the quick screens to the wide receiver even though mm-hmm. we throw them out there and we got two guys versus four defenders we're going to keep running it right. over and over again cuz that's what we do here in Chicago it's uh it's extremely frustrating uh to watch on a uh week to week basis so that hand injury for for Herbert, it mm-hmm. actually reminds me very much of a similar injury that Brett Favre had during his playing career and what he ended up doing. And I think I saw Herbert do it the other day against the Chiefs was that when he hands off the ball going to the right, which would be using his left hand, uh, he kind of backhands the ball into the Stomach And another thing that uh, well, Favre he did, he do... did
1: that on on one specific series because he had a glove on, on his hand where right. he had a, a middle finger that was like like part of a bigger glove that was sewn on to the glove that he was using. That was larger to accommodate for the, the splint uh-huh. um, and, it, and that got ripped off. So oh, wow. during that series, okay. he was handing off with his other hand. Yeah.
0: OK. Yeah. And, and the other thing that Favre would do was that he used to kind of wrap the ball around the receiver oh, yeah. and, and put mm-hmm. it in his, in his belly before uh, he ran out. Uh, have right. you heard about Herbert trying any of those uh, tricks to, to be able to counteract the, the hand?
1: No, it doesn't seem like uh that's something that they're doing. I mean, they're not going under center as much. I think last week they went under center a little bit more often. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, he's been saying the finger's getting a little bit better. So they'll probably go a little bit more under center this week. Um, but I still would expect to see quite a bit of shotgun as well. It's just more comfortable. And also it's something he did a lot at Oregon as well. So going back to your comfort, that is also going to be a better way to protect the finger. I think it's probably what you'll see uh for the most part.
0: So you're six games in so far. You're you're two and four, and, and looking at the, looking at the games. You 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 know you have that uh, that week one loss to the Dolphins, not the Rams, the Dolphins. Uh, week two to the to the Titans, another close one. You you nip one out despite uh, Brandon Staley's uh, go for it on fourth down at our own twenty four yard line or whatever uh, it was. You you got away with that one. You come away and you beat the Steelers. You come up just short not against the Steelers. I don't know what the hell's the matter with me. The Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders. Um, and then the Cowboys uh, was a close one on Monday night uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So are you guys upset you're not 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one, or you feel like you're lucky to be 2-4 because there was a, a window where you could have possibly lost those games as well?
1: Absolutely not. I yeah. mean, the Chargers were in every single one of these games, right. and they had an opportunity to win every single one of these games. And even against the Chiefs, they had an opportunity. You know, where they threw an interception when they were in the red zone, where uh, uh, you know the ball got popped up and and got intercepted. And if that doesn't happen, you know, the play before that, Justin Herbert did, made an incredible play where he extended the play, slid t- uh, to the I uh, think left side of the pocket, hit, drilled Everett in the end zone, and, and hit him in the hands, mm. like he just dropped it that would have been a touchdown if he if he's able to to hold on to that one and that changes the whole trajectory of that football game and then they had the ball against the Dolphins at the end with an opportunity to go out there and, and win they had uh, the ball at the end of the game against the Titans with an opportunity to win so I think I, th- I think I sit here and I'm more angry that they haven't been able to execute in the critical moments mm-hmm. to be why they are two and four I mean but right. hey at the end of the day you are what your record says that you are and so yeah they're going up against some really really tough teams Uh, I just feel you know uh, very unfulfilled because the Chargers had a chance to win every single one of them I think going into this game this is a must win this is an absolute must win for the Chargers if they want to stay kind of in the thick of things in the AFC they have to pick up this win they should I mean no offense to you know to you guys and the Bears but they should win this football game they are the more talented team uh, I think honestly on both sides of the football but they have to go out there and do it I mean being more talented it hasn't meant anything they got to go out there and execute um and honestly i need to see it before i can believe it Uh, it's been very annoying to watch this team because i'm tired of saying oh you're so talented oh you're so talented you're not talented unless you go use that talent and turn that talent into production so i do feel like they're still going to win this game i think it'll be closer than it should be uh but i feel like uh, i am pretty confident that the chargers will, will get back in the win column this week
0: Right, and the reason that I asked was because I know that this is somewhat of a all-in type year uh, for you guys because the salary cap is going to make this, especially now that Herbert's going to be one of those $50 million guys here pretty soon when that extension uh, kicks in. It's either yeah. got to happen this year or you're going to have to hit the reset button and, and start over or, or maybe get like the Rams and start getting creative, kicking the can down the road uh, several years to try to hang on to the talent that you have
1: yeah i mean they already restructured four of their biggest contracts last off season with khalil Mack, joey bosa mike williams and keenan allen to be able to do that to be able to keep this core together this year they don't not going to have that same luxury this off season because they're already projected to be like 30 million over the cap so Mm -hmm. there's going to be some very and then you know they made the move with jc jackson that kind of alleviated that a little bit there's going to be some dead dead cap money that they're going to have to deal with but there's still going to be some tough decisions that they're going to have to make uh, after this season. You know, one of those four, you know, big superstar players is more than likely not going to be playing for the
0: Chargers after this season. Who do you think the one is most likely to be?
1: Probably Khalil Mack. Uh, It's probably, yeah, it's probably, I mean, just, you know, you got to look at the situation from a business standpoint. I mean, he's he's on the wrong side of 30. Uh, He has a gigantic, you know, cap hit, and you have a, a rookie defensive end uh and Tuli Tuipolotu who who has been fantastic as a pass rusher and been very very effective on the edge as a run stopper a run stopper as well so i think with his emergence it makes it a little bit uh, easier to move on from a, a guy like Khalil Mack um although obviously Cleo Mac is a first ballot future Hall of Famer with the, you know, the pedigree that he has put together. He's been fantastic. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here sure. as you know, he is a former bear, you know, what he is capable of and what, you know, he has brought to uh, the organizations that he has played for. But uh, I feel like it's probably going to be him and Mike Williams more than likely going to be playing for other teams next year.
0: Right. Yeah. I was kind of always disappointed because I remember when we made the trade for uh, Khalil Mack, that uh, yeah. I was boastfully saying that no one's going to remember he was a Raider. That's the kind of career he's going to have in Chicago. You sure. know, he especially being in Chicago and how passionate the fan base is and and things like that. That I, you know, thought that no one's going to remember because he's going to be here in Chicago for ten years and that's going to be his you know Hall of Fame pedigree is that he'll be known as a Bear. And instead, yeah. he's on team number three. And if things go the way you think, he'll be on team number four if he keeps playing. Uh, as well, so I mean, like you said, he's on the wrong side of thirty now, uh, because of because he's Khalil Mack, he's making way too much money for somebody on that side of thirty, uh, which makes him a likely candidate to be playing in a different uniform uh, next right. year. It's an unfortunate thing, and I don't know if that's the state of the NFL or if that's just uh, Khalil Mack's uh, bad luck that he's just kind of every time he's gotten traded, it was, it was a new regime that was doing it. You yeah. know, Gruden came in and it was his before his first year he trades Mack. Before Ryan Poll starts, he trades Mac uh, as well. So,
1: one well, if the Chargers don't win this year, there's probably going to be a new coach and a new general manager next year for the Chargers too. So,
0: how are you feeling about your coach uh, these days? You know, I mean those those fourth and short calls or those fourth down calls, he's kind of gotten away with them, but they were really kind of disastrous uh, when he when he did them.
1: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm all right with the fourth down calls because that shows that you have confidence in your offense and you want to put the ball in your best players hands to let him go out there and win the football game for you. So, I mean, you can question the play calls, maybe that, you know, we're, we're instituted in those situations, but I like the idea of finishing with the ball and not giving the ball back to the other team sure. with any chance to win because, if they convert both of those fourth down situations, we're not sitting here having this conversation because it worked. And it's always the yeah. situation to where if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're an idiot. So, and that, that's just what it all, that's what it has to be. But the chargers, that's their identity. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to go for it. They're going to trust their offense and their defense. They're going to trust their offense to go get it and trust their defense to, you know, provide stops if they don't. Um, so I like that. Obviously, you got to win. If you don't win in this league, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from right now with the expectations, the chargers have had, and they're sitting at two and four. This is not what anybody expected or, or, or wanted for this team. So yeah. if the chargers don't win, then yeah, after this season, Brandon still, going to be on his way out. I think there's way too many people out there that are calling for his head or expect him to be can uh, to be, you know, relieved of his duties in the middle of the season. That's not going to happen. The chargers right. don't do that. They don't fire coaches in the middle of seasons. Ever. They haven't done it since the 1990s. <laughs> so it's just not something that you you know you should expect to see whether or not they win this football game or on Sunday. Brandon Staley is going to be here until the end of the season.
0: Who'd they fire in the 90s?
1: I think it was Kevin Gilbright, if I remember okay. correctly. Because I was trying to think.
0: Yeah. 90s Chargers coaches. It's like, who, who yeah. was running the team back then? Like I'd, Kevin Gilbright. Wow. He was a head coach at one point, wasn't he? You only yep. ever remember him as an offensive play caller, not a, not a head coach. That's how good he was. At his that, that's why. <laughs> yeah. That's why. That is why. Well, Dave, <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, you coming out and, and and hanging out with us. Uh, you know, how do you see the game going on Sunday? What you, you know, do you have an idea for a ballpark on a final score?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I think that you know this is going to be like I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, I think. In this one, the the Chargers pass rush is going to be able to get after Tyler, uh, you know, Tyson Bajant and really frustrate him a little bit. I think uh, you know that that's going to cause some issues for the Bears offense. Uh, and then for the Chargers on offense, like I said, I think that they're they're going to manufacture some shot plays when they know that they're going up against a defensive line that hasn't really had a ton of success getting after the quarterback. Uh, I think that they're going to be able to you know be able to put together some of those plays. Um, and I feel like the, the Chargers offense, if they are able to get on top, which I think they might. Get on top early. They're going to be able to take that running game out uh, of the equation for the Bears. Make uh, Tyson Bajant throw the ball a whole lot more than the Bears want him to, and I think that's going to result in the Chargers winning thirty-four to twenty.
0: Thirty-four to twenty. Oh. Yeah, that works for me. I guess uh, thirty-four to twenty. At least it's not like fifty-four. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, TV. the Chargers
1: don't ever blow out anybody, yeah. uh, especially to that, that capacity. So if that happens, I will be absolutely floored. Uh, I don't expect that. They, they just always tend to play pretty close football games. So I, I don't really expect it. What do you see in this one? What, what you got on a on score prediction? You
0: know what I've, I, I'm, I was just talking about it um, on my, in, when I was doing my opening segment here and it's just, I'm so afraid to have hope with the bears uh, these days and and I'm not somebody who was, you know, pounding the table for Dyson Bajan to come in there and uh, and all like like so many other people were, which is so indicative of the Bears fan base falling in love with the backup quarterback and sure. uh, and all that kind of stuff. He was very good in the preseason impressive uh, even, but sure. this is he's not playing against the bums that aren't on the team anymore right. Uh, right. like he was in, in the preseason. The best that he was facing was backups. Uh, right. on his time backup up special teamers and guys that are on practice squads or bagging groceries man those guys aren't playing football anymore they're trying to get into the xfl right now so yeah, that's fair yeah but it's just like you know as he was very effective the defense is is trending up so i think the game hopefully will be closer and maybe more like 23 20 as opposed to 34 uh 20 so i i'm hoping that it's it's more competitive and that uh you know, we're not as vulnerable on the back end as, as you hope we are or that you think we are, actually. And I don't yeah. think that you're wrong because we are, we've are. we got backups, backups out there, especially in, with our safeties and whatnot. Jaquan Brisker hasn't uh, practiced yet with, a, with an illness. You know, tis the season, so I guess that's sure. possible and everything. Hopefully he'll be good to go uh, by Sunday. But uh, Eddie Jackson has been in and out of the lineup with a foot injury that's been bugging him. Nagging. Yeah. Uh, one of our better rookie corners, Terrell Smith, is out with Mono right now. Hey, I, I heard about that. Second yeah. year in a row we lost somebody to Mono. We lost Alex Leatherwood for six weeks to Mono. Uh, six last, weeks, Six My weeks goodness. he was out with Mono uh, last season. So <laughs> That's you That's know, crazy. And what, are we in
1: high school all yeah, over again? Yeah, for real, man. What is man? going on here? It's
0: the kissing disease, dude. What's up with that? <laughs> so, But, yeah, I mean, Tariq Stevenson has been good, but he's real problematic with penalties at times. Mm. And Jalen Johnson, as effective as he is, he's our obviously our best corner. Aside from this past week, he's not turnover happy like he was against yeah. the the Raiders. Those two interceptions he had last week were the first interceptions he's had since his very first game as a pro in 2020. Oh, so, my. Yeah, the very first one. He got a t- like a tip-drill interception against the Lions week one, 2020. Yeah. Zero since then. So, uh, yeah, and now he's – He's at the negotiating table with the Bears. It's like, okay. Of course. Calm down with what you ask for, okay? It's like, you deserve a bag, but not the bag you're probably asking for, bro. It's just, let's be realistic here. Uh, it'd be like Allen Robinson all over again. Wanting 20-mil a season when he's not a 20-mil a season wide receiver. Not even close. So,
1: I mean, hey, man, it's all about business. That's why the players don't negotiate. They hire people to do it for them.
0: Well, they can only say no if you ask for it. So, you know, that's right. <laughs> you know, all the, the worst they can do is say no. And then maybe things right. go sideways, but yeah, but I mean, hopefully it will be entertaining. There was a lot of talk about maybe this game being flexed with the way the season was going for our two teams, but in the end, it's still LA and Chicago. They're putting that one that's on right. national TV uh, for Absolutely. sure. So <laughs> hopefully it will be one where we're not like, Oh God, duh, that's my, yeah. those are my guys out there. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's a fun game to, to watch no matter who wins or loses.
1: Amen to that, man. I mean, national, national TV, you get to show off in front of the whole world. Hopefully, you know, both these teams come to play.
0: I am a uniform snob. You know what kind of unis you guys are tolling out this weekend?
1: Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a very good question. I'm not sure. Are they sure. going to be
0: head-to-toe powder blue? Are they going to break out those midnight navy ones that you guys uh, wear once or twice a year? Because I'm pretty sure the Bears are wearing the uh, uh, my favorite uniforms, the whites on tops and the darks on uh, bottoms like that's my favorite here, I, uniform. Have, I have
1: the the uniform schedule let me okay. see
0: here what do we got
1: so looks like uh for, it's gonna be powder blue um versus uh, versus the bears on monday
0: night is it all powder blue or, or, sun, or sunday night we got blues and whites uh I th- I
1: th- it looks like it's gonna be blue and whites but okay. I, i'm not sure man I can yeah dig it man. looks like blue and whites that works yeah. for
0: me i like that just keep it simple uh, and everything, ever since you simplified the logo on the helmet, is like I'm a huge fan, as opposed to, like, the five colors they had in it. Sure. Uh, Honestly, before. I feel like
1: the Chargers have had some of the best uniforms in oh, for NFL sure. history for Absolutely. a very, very
0: long time. Yeah. But
1: I do agree with you. I like the simplified look. You don't na- need to have too much going on. They have a pretty uh, nice set of jerseys. Yeah, I've I always been so a fan,
0: especially when they went to the, like, uh, like when I grew up with the Chargers were in Navy. Uh, yeah. And had the white bolt with the yellow yep. uh, trim on it. Yep. And you had that, that uh, empty, uh, what do you call it? Empty, I'm forgetting the the term, but because it was the white logo, then you had the navy around it, which means. Yeah,
1: you had like the negative space. Negative
0: yeah. space. There you go. Thank you very much, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for bailing me out on that one. No uh, worries, man. So, where can we keep up with you uh, in the meantime, my friend?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am the co host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. Um, your team every day it means we do five show audio video shows a week on the Chargers. Um, so you can find us on anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Anywhere you listen to it, where we are there. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can find me on Twitter at S D as well.
0: What uh, what kind of coin are you guys tossing around to get billboards in uh, in towns? I'm seeing that's that's starting to sprout out. I saw Ross Jackson from Locked On. Saints pointing at his billboard I saw a picture of your guys's uh billboard on online today as well I guess locked on's doing well if you guys are buying billboards those things aren't cheap man Pretty surreal
1: moment, to be honest with you, man, as a guy who, uh, you know, started doing this for free just because I, I love talking about the Chargers before, you know, I made it to locked on, you know, to see all the all the hours, all all the years, uh, all the kind of the time, the blood, sweat and tears that we put into this to kind of see that get rewarded and and see us kind of getting championed um in our city that we're covering uh, of the team that we're covering. Right. It's definitely uh, like a surreal moment, to be honest with you. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, congrats on that. Uh, good luck on uh, Sunday, and we'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Same to you, brother. Thanks for having me.
0: As always, I want to thank our guest, Dave Drogomar from the Locked On Chargers podcast, uh, helping us preview Uh, Bears Chargers for Sunday and uh, let's go ahead and dive into keys uh, to the game and you know you heard Dave and I uh, talk about it the with the way that the Chargers have been either unproductive or ineffective in the second half on offense for me that means I want our Bears to win the first half especially on defense you know the Chargers have been fast starters throughout the season Thus far, but their productivity on offense in the second half has been virtually non-existent, especially the last few weeks. I mean, they didn't score a single point after putting up 17 points on the Chiefs uh, last Sunday. I think they only scored about seven points uh, against the Cowboys the week before that. They didn't score any points in the second half after going up 24 to seven in half at by halftime uh, against the Raiders the week before that. So we're talking at least the last three weeks that the Chargers have not been able to get anything going in the second half. So the first half is where we're going to want to play our best defense if the pattern holds. And, you know, so we're – and it's not so much about, you know, being aggressive and blitzing Herbert and all that kind of stuff. We just need to make sure that we're making our tackles, keeping everything in front of us, uh, and not letting those big plays uh, get behind us because the Chargers are definitely – uh, capable of those things with Keenan Allen, with uh, Quentin Johnston, uh, especially, you know, with with Eckler coming out of the backfield. He's a very effective uh, pass catcher. I think I was talking about it yesterday on the fourth phase. He, re- As far as the coming out of the backfield and how effective he is, he reminds me a lot of a, a shorter Matt Forte. You know, Forte 6'2", 230. I think Austin Eckler might be 5'10". And, uh, you know, so it's... Uh, But he's very productive out of the backfield. He's just as effective as a receiver uh, than he is as a uh, runner uh, as well. So in the first half, especially on defense, we're going to want to be especially stingy. You know, maybe play a little bend but don't break. Allow field goals and not touchdowns. And I think that would play huge dividends for us in the second half. Uh, On offense, I mentioned it before at the start of the uh, show, I want the Bears to keep doing what we were doing against the Raiders. Run the offense through the running game. Use rollouts and play action to keep Bajan clean. You know, he's just naturally got that clock in his head where he gets the ball out in just the right time. I saw a really great uh, video online on uh, Twitter uh, today where it was kind of like a side-by-side comparison of the, uh, from the snap to the throw, the clock, and it's always fields lost that every single time uh, to Bajan, like similar looking plays here's what Bajan did and he got the ball out in 2.3 seconds 3.6 seconds fields is still holding on to the ball that kind of thing so he's better at making quicker decisions you know I wish those I wish those skills were transferable uh, that uh, you know or, or actually you know it may have been very helpful for Justin to have this time to watch Tyson Bajan run the offense not that that uh, but as far as learning how to get the ball out quickly and and what that looks like uh and everything or or just to get a tip on on what you know better decision making looks like so it's like i'm not going to sit here and tell you that Justin Fields is perfect even though i prefer him to Tyson Bajant. i just think i prefer Fields to Bajant because i think there's a lot more we can do on offense than we can with Tyson Bajant until i see otherwise like i said until i see Tyson Bajant, uh, you know, f- owning the whole field as opposed to being dominant inside of 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. We see them start pushing the ball down the field or, God forbid, down the middle of the field like I've been pounding the table for for weeks. Then, you know, I might turn as far as, like, who I think our quarterback should be. But when I see Bajan being so limited, whether it's by design or by the fact that he really doesn't have a, a good arm downfield, then... You know, uh, I, I would prefer Fields because the entire field is open uh, with him. We can take a, f- a shot 40 yards downfield if we need to uh, with Fields, and, and we can use the play action to do uh, that kind of thing. But whether it's Bajan on the field, whether it's Fields that, you know, pulls off a miracle and plays on Sunday night, run the offense through the running game, especially with we got a healthy Roshan Johnson out there, Deontay Foreman, who's been red hot these last couple of weeks, and even with Darrington Evans coming off the uh, the bench uh, as well, we're running the ball extremely well uh, in these past uh, few weeks, and I want the offense to keep going through the running game. It's like just keep doing what we do well. Force the Chargers, force the Chargers to force us to do something else. So, don't try to be like Nagy and do something different, so that uh, you know they don't get a chance to stop us doing what we were good at. Because, you know, Nagy always seemed to have this governor uh, on himself where rather than force the defense to stop him from doing what we're doing, you know, doing what we're effective in doing, he would stop before they figured it out and he would just go to something else that wasn't as effective as uh, what was working uh, in the past. So on defense, I don't want to say we just we need to be solid on defense. We need to be stingy on defense like i said if we got to bend but don't break allow field goals not touchdowns and i think we'll be in great shape uh going into the second half and then finally uh i want us to embrace the fact that this will basically be a west home game a west coast home game uh for the bears not only do fair fans travel uh extremely well but uh, i mean it ha- hell it happened week 1 2021 against the Rams there were a hell of a lot more bear fans in that building than there were uh Rams people and that was a home opener for the Rams but um you know there's going to be a plenty of navy and orange uh in the crowd uh on Sunday night and I want the bears to embrace that play to the crowd you know when it's third down start pumping them up start waving your hands in the air to try to get them uh to make noise I mean I remember uh what was it 20 I think 2013 2014 against the uh against the Falcons in Atlanta, the Falcons were the ones that had to call timeouts because the crowd noise was too much for them in their own building because Chicago fans showed out and, uh, made it hard for the Falcons in their own building to conduct their offense. They had to use a silent count in their own building. So, you know, I want to see the bears embrace the fact that, you know, at, at worst, it's going to be 50, 50 out there, uh, on Sunday. So, uh, that's what I would like to see uh, out of our beloved Chicago Bears. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for me, guys, and uh, the week number eight preview uh, for the Bears and the Chargers. I am hoping that we're, we're happy when we talk on Monday uh, to review this game between the Bears and the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Come back on Monday to find out how that all went. Uh, will I be able to just kind of do a knee-jerk reaction type show and just go immediately and do the show afterwards? Or will I need to sleep on it so that I don't curse my lungs out uh, into the microphone because we regressed again on offense. We allowed 50 points to an offense that's been struggling, and we lost another stinking football game. So come back on Monday and find out. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.